Please turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. We are coming to the end of this chapter. And um, <laughs> the Apostle John has been looking at love. And remember again in verse 19, begins there with the Apostle John saying, We love him because he first loved us. Remember again that it is impossible for us to love something we can't see. And that does not exist. God is spirit. Amen. And so he had to love us. And he had to show himself to us in some way. And the way that he showed himself to us was in sending Jesus to die for us. You know, I think that's, that's the key to any kind of witnessing or to anything at all in that, you know, when we share, it's not about uh, are you saved, are you not saved? It's about do you know that God loved you so much that he gave everything for you? That's how much he loves you. He gave his only begotten son. And I think that, that in that is a key to everything that, you know, I, I guess shows God's heart more than anything else. That he wasn't there trying to beat us over the head saying, you know, get saved. He said, this is what I'm doing to help you to reconnect with me. Amen. And that's why, remember again in 1 John 4.10, it says, in this is love. Not that, we, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of the payment for our sin. Amen. And then he goes on to say in verse 20, he says, if someone says, and remember I emphasize the word says, okay? <laughs> A lot of people say stuff, they don't do that, okay? <laughs> so uh, don't ever be fooled by what people say. You know, what you want to do is watch a life, and you want to see what they actually do. Hallelujah. And so he says here, if anyone, again in 1 John 4.20, he says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. So obviously hating your brother, obviously is going to come out in deeds and in words and so on and so forth. Amen. And so he says, you know, for you to say, I love God and then behave terribly, okay, <laughs> uh, towards your brothers and sisters, it doesn't show us. See, one of the things that we begin to understand is that love is agape love. Remember I told you about the agape love, okay? It's God's kind of love. It's the highest kind of love. And for somebody to have that kind of love, it makes it impossible for them to hate everybody around them. Are you all with me? Okay, so that, that in itself shows us, and that's what the Apostle John is saying, you can't say that you love God with that kind of love, amen, okay, and then behave badly, you know, amongst your brothers and sisters because it immediately proves to us that you don't have that kind of love, that what you're saying about you loving God is not true, amen. And so, remember we looked at Matthew chapter 7, I'm not looking at it again today, but remember Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, uh, and he said, many will say to me that they have we not prophesied in your name and so on and so forth. Remember again, I emphasize the word say, because that's what they said. But Jesus said, get away from you to practice lawlessness. So again, what they said and what they did were exact opposites. Amen. I, I told you we're going to look, some, look at some of those things and I thought it was going to be last week, but it's going to be this week. I'm talking very fast to get there. All right. So <laughs> continue on from there. We went on to look at the latter half of verse 20 in 1 John 4.20, where he says, Now for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, I will slow down now, okay? He says, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Now this brings us to something really interesting and very important, and that is, if you can't love what you can't see, 
it is impossible to love what you can't see, okay? This is a love that needs to go beyond all the things that you normally do. And this is why I said that those people that, I said this last week, that those people that have the a capacity to love in that way have a capacity to love God in that way. Are you all with me? I didn't say that they naturally did. That's why I said those people need to be introduced to God because they've already shown an immense capacity to love. And if they just turn it in the right direction, dear God, you know, I mean, heaven will just break loose. I, Howard Marshall writes, a person may deceive other men by declaring that he loves God, but since God cannot be seen, there is no direct way of telling whether he truly loves God. Are getting this? Okay. Even if he goes through the outward motions of devotion to God, oh, I really like this, prayer, attendance at worship, oh yes, 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 I love God. Now if you do that, please don't, you know, okay, I'm not talking about you, but I have seen this, not here, okay, in other churches, people just go through the motions, and my goodness, you better not meet them in the car park. I'm serious. <laughs> they are they're just, you just think, what happened? Jekyll and Hyde. You know, it just, you just think, <laughs> okay. And the Apostle John, see, the Apostle John, I want you to re realize or remember something about both. Okay, remember and realize that he is an apostle of love. If he writes stuff like this, it means they were really bad. Are you all with me? Amen. Okay, this is not a person that, you know, is insecure and always has his feelings hurt. This is a person that walks in agape love. And he's saying, this stuff isn't right. And if he says something is bad, man, you know, that's like somebody that loves everybody and suddenly says, that's a bad person. You just go, dear God, let's just get away from that person. Let's move to another state. <laughs> if this man says they're bad, they have to be really bad. Amen. Okay, all right. Uh, moving on. <laughs> uh, where was I? Oh, so even if he goes through the outward motions of devotion to God, prayer, attendance at worship, and so on, it may still be all empty show. But a person uh, cannot so easily deceive others regarding his love for his fellow Christians. Since they can be seen, the person's relation with them is also visible. It follows that if a person is seen not to love his brothers, it is unlikely that he loves God. Are you all getting this? Indeed, he cannot love God since one part of love for God is love for one's brothers. Amen. Why am I spending so much time on this? Because we're about to come up to a verse that says, and this is a victory that overcomes the world. Yeah, we're getting to 1 John 5, 4. Okay. <laughs> that overcomes the world, even our faith. And I think it's extraordinary that the Apostle John spent so much time on love and then drops this faith bomb, so to speak, you know, a couple of verses from here, to say this is how you overcome everything. Are you all with me? Amen. And so he's trying to get us to the place where we have nothing getting in the way. And, you know, I was talking to the youth. I don't know whether they should be called youth anymore. The young adults, no. <laughs> uh, youth slash young adults. Okay, we've got both in there. Uh, uh, you know, we were talk. Uh, no, I don't know what I was going to say. See, I took too long with that. All right, <laughs> no, I was, <laughs> I was just talking to them about developing your faith. I was talking to them about you know how we've had this mentality of you know somebody that says, well, I don't feel, and they go, well, it's not your feelings. 
Well, there is a feeling. There is a sense about you when you know you've got faith. There is some, you do feel something. You know, our feelings cross between this realm and the next realm. A lot of people have, uh, I don't know, I, I guess really spoken very badly about having feelings about in this realm. Because there have been so many mealy-mouthed Christians, <laughs> okay? And they feel something, oh, I don't feel God. Well, he must not be here. That's sort of a feeling. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay? And, and that's true. We walk by faith and not by sight. I get that. But there is something on the inside of you that also lets you know when you're in faith and when you're not in faith. Are you all with me? Now, when you're not... <laughs> let, let me just help you out with this now. When you know you're not in faith to whatever degree... You need to gen- then believe in God because the, you, need to have the, you need to have faith in God as a, because your faith of God ain't working. Amen. See, God will look after you because you're his kid. As Jesus said, be hot or cold, don't be lukewarm. You know, okay? So when you're not, just go, God, I'm not there. You're going to have to cover me with your wings and look after me the whole way there and back. I've done that sometimes, okay? You, yes, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but there have been times, because I'm honest, you know, God can work with honest Christians. Amen. And so there are times, you know, say I was going to Woolies or something, you know, in all this pandemic and everything else, and I've been driving, and suddenly it felt like I have no armor on at all. I mean, I feel like I'm driving in there in my shorts. You know, as far as armor goes, I'm sorry about the visual. But, you know, okay? And I said, to, I know, I've said to God, God, you're going to have to look after me. I am not having one of those faith days today. You really need to cover me there and back. When I'm back in the car, we're good. I'll spray everything. No, <laughs> you know, okay? Are you all with me? And, so, you know, I've, that's why I said, be honest with God. You know, don't try to put on a show. He knows. He can see everything. Why, when are we ever going to figure that one out? Amen. So I just tell God, you need to cover me, man. I'm going in there. It it hasn't happened a lot of times, but I've known to do that at certain times. I'm sharing this with you because you need to know this. And you need to know that, dear God, you don't have to wake up every day with faith blazing out in every direction. Okay? And just because it blazes a bit less, I speak, oh, dear God, what's going to happen? Don't be that way. God said his angels are protecting you. He's looking after you. Just be honest. Let him know where you're at and let him do the rest. Amen. And there are other times that you say, God, I got this. It's not a pride statement. I just know I got it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I got this, God. Anything you want me to do while I'm here? Because it's there. Hallelujah. Amen. You've got to go both ways, man. You can't be always be asking him stuff. And then you never, you know, you never ask him, to, does he need some help with something? You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> okay? It's a two-way street. Anyway, I don't know why I went there. Anyway, let's get back to this. Oh, yeah, I was talking about love. The reason I'm, <laughs> the reason I'm telling you all of this is so that nothing gets in the way of your faith. You see, God is love. And that's the reason why the Apostle John is saying, listen, you say that you have love. Let's check you out. You know, here's your little checklist. If you're saying one thing and you're saying or you're thinking that I love God and yet you're behaving terribly around people, you don't. Your armor is down. Get it? Okay. Now I can move on. All right. (laughs) Further to this and returning to the previous point that the Apostle John had made regarding these particular individuals, Thomas F. Johnson writes, In 1 John 2.9, the elder rejected the claim to be in the light if the boaster hates his brother. Such a person is a child of the devil. That was in 1 John 3.10. A murderer, in 1 John 3.15, 
and a liar in this one, okay? Uh, one cannot both love God simultaneously and hate his brother, as the elder's opponents are doing. So that's what he's basically saying. This was not new to the Apostle John. He had seen this behavior before from those claiming to love God and honor him. So we're going to have a look at this today. We're going to go to Mark chapter 3. And they just did the very opposite of what they said. Mark chapter 3, we're going to begin in verse 1. I'm going to read all the way through to verse 6 with a break in the middle. Okay? Mark chapter 3, verse 1. And he, that is Jesus, entered the synagogue again. And a man was there who had a withered hand. So here's a person with a problem. Can we say that? Amen. Okay. Verse 2. So they, that's the Pharisees. Okay. If we, if we were uh, to, to read down in verse 6, it'll, it'll say then the Pharisees. Okay. So, so they, the Pharisees, watched him closely whether he would heal him on the Sabbath that they might accuse him. Wow. I mean, this, see, these are the people that say, we love God, we love God, we love God. God is everything to us. We won't profane the Sabbath day. We won't go into this unclean place. You know, they did that while they're murdering their Messiah. So these are the people we're talking about. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, I've said here, notice that these religious ca- leaders cared nothing about this crippled Jewish, Jewish man's healing. Okay, this wasn't a Gentile. This was a Jew. Amen. All right. With William Hendrickson saying, imagine that, I love this. Listen, okay. He says, imagine the hypocrisy and insincerity. They couldn't do anything to help this man and they resented anyone who could. Wow. I say I love God, but then I behave this way. You don't love God. (laughs) Okay. All right. Okay. They sought some ground on which to condemn the Lord of life. If he, had, if he healed on the Sabbath, they would rush in to kill like a pack of wolves. Wow. Let's continue. All right. Verse 3. And he said to the man, now, let me stop here for a second. You all know Jesus knew what they were thinking, right? Yeah. Okay. See, that can be a plus or a minus. <laughs> okay. You know, you're up here. You're about to minister to somebody. And you, you know, you, you had this ability to tell what people are thinking. And this whole left-hand side is about to just jump on you if you healed. What do you do? It's like speed. What do you do? What? <laughs> okay, no, <all> right. <laughs> Listen, because, you know, sometimes people have made the choice in the other direction. They've just thought, well, I don't want to cause any, you know, strife in this, in this congregation, so I won't go there. Let's see what Jesus decides to do. Verse, you all know what he did, right? Anyway, verse 3. <laughs> Just pretend you don't. And he said to the man who had a withered hand, I'm so sorry. You know, they're all thinking this. They're waiting to jump on me. I've just begun my ministry, you know. I haven't gotten my first newsletter out yet. I don't want to aggravate these people. You know, <laughs> it's not what he said. It's not what he thought. Listen. He, he said to the man with a withered hand, he said, step forward. I mean, he didn't go to him. He's going to bring the man out to the front. I really want you to see what's going on here. So, you know, gee, I love Jesus. It's just like, you want to fight? I'll give you one. He goes, come here. <laughs> okay, all right. Verse 5. Uh, no, verse 4. Then he said to them, watch now. 
He knows what they're thinking. So he brings the man forward, and he's not talking to the man now. Watch. See, because that's the other thing sometimes we do. We just think, just come over here, let me heal you. And everybody goes, oh, wow, he healed him. Oh, that, you know what? Don't worry about what we're thinking. Jesus is going to address their thoughts while the man's standing here. Okay? And, so, <laughs> and he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? Wow. I mean, he just let him have it right between the eyes. What did they do? Nothing. What did they say? Nothing. It says, but they kept silent. Because <laughs> if they said anything other than, you know, if they said, well, you know, but we shouldn't, everybody would have jumped on them. It's like, what kind of God puts religion before people? The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, since the Sabbath was made for the man, if the man is sick, get him healed so he can enjoy his Sabbath. You know, <laughs> do you know what the Sabbath was about? The Jews made it about not working, but do you know what it was actually about? It was taking time out to remember God, to worship God. To honor God. Do you think everybody would have worshipped, honored, and thought about God if the guy got healed? In a nice way. <laughs> you know, they thought about him. Okay, you know what I'm trying to say? Amen. So you can see how, how this was contrary to what God had said and what religion was doing. All right, okay. And again, we're seeing what they say. They say that they love God, but watch the way they're behaving. Watch how they're thinking. And watch how Jesus is dealing with this. Okay? Verse 5. And when he looked around at them with anger. I really, you know, I think this is one of the few times it actually says that Jesus was angry. The other time was in the temple. Okay? <laughs> when they were selling doves and sheep and everything. Okay, yes, it said sheep. Okay, all right. <laughs> I do that on purpose. All right, okay. Uh, he says he was angry. And watch, he says... And when he had looked around at them with anger, listen, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts. That grieved him. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Verse 6, then the Pharisees rejoiced and praised God for this man's... Oh, I have the wrong Bible. Okay. <laughs> it, I mean, dear God, shouldn't it have said that? It's, you know, this is their Messiah. This is somebody that is doing extraordinary things that belong to their religion, so to speak. I don't want to bring the word religion, but you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Okay? Wouldn't you be like, yeah, man, this is ours. Show us yours. This one's better. <laughs> you, know? you know what I'm trying to say? Instead, they're trying to kill him. I, I, anyway, let's continue. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately, I want you to hear these words, okay? The Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. Wow. We need to be really careful. I know, you know, we look at them and go, bad Pharisees, 
bitch. I see. Okay. <laughs> but we really need to be careful that we don't fall into traps either. That, you know, we're not saying, God, I love you. And then suddenly something comes up and then we're having a problem with it. Are you all with me? And it's okay to have problems. I have problems with people. I can give you a list. Do you want to? No, I won't give you a list. Okay. <laughs> okay. Listen, it's not that I'm saying you can't have any. I'm just saying that we need to be aware when we do. Is that okay? And we need to sort of say to God, God, I'm having this problem. I'm having an issue letting go of this. You need to talk to me about it. And, you know, and don't expect to change straight away either. And don't feel guilty if it doesn't straight away you go, oh, and God gave you some amazing revelation and you didn't change straight away. It's like, oh. Don't be that way. Okay? It takes time. Can I get amen on that? Yes, amen. Okay, it takes time. Because we're built that way. And so you need to allow that to happen. But again, you need to begin that journey. Amen. I don't, nobody here has that problem, so I'm just going to continue. I pray that they don't. <laughs> but this is not the only time these people who profess to love God had murder in their heart. Because it goes in the same Mark chapter 11, verses 15 through 18. One of the reasons I'm showing you these as well is... I know as a fact that the people that are most sensitive will think this is them. And the people that aren't and that should be listening say, no, that's not for me. So, <laughs> okay? so I want to make sure that the people that, are, you know, that don't have to worry, don't worry. Uh, I pray that you don't have to worry about this. As far as I'm concerned, you don't, unless you're not telling me something. All right, but I want you to see <laughs> what is there, and I want you to see how there are people like this. You know, I think it's a shock sometimes to our system because of the way we are towards one another. We can't imagine people like this. And then we start looking for a little thing in our life and go, oh, if I did that, <laughs> no, 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 we're not talking about you, sweetheart. This is not you. All right, let's continue. That's why I'm giving you these examples as well. Mark 11 while we're in the Gospel of Mark, I want to read in verse 15. It says, So they, that is Jesus and his disciples, came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in, oh, here we go, in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. I want you to notice he didn't turn over the doves. Because they're little innocent birds. Like, no, Jesus, not us. <laughs> okay? No, he turned over the seats of those who sold him, all right? Verse 16, and he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Do you all understand why he did this? Because they were selling their stuff in a place where the Gentiles would worship God. Of course, nobody went into their place of worship. I mean, how dare they? But oh yeah, no, that's where the Gentiles worship. You can go do whatever you want in there. Do you see how disrespectful this was? Do you understand what Jesus is doing here? Let me give you, I'll clue you in on What he was doing was letting the Jews know that as far as he was concerned, there was no difference between the Jews' place of worship and the Gentiles' place of worship, and there shouldn't be two different uh, set of rules. You want to separate them, you make sure that they get the same respect and the same type of place to worship that you do. Are you all with me? Because they used to do that. You know, there was them and they would get all the pearly and then there's the Gentiles and whatever leftovers we have. 
Are you all here? Amen. That's why Jesus, what he, what he said was extraordinary. When he said, for God so loved the world. Amen? Okay. All right. I'm going to finish this today. All right. <laughs> so, and then he taught them saying, I'm in verse 17. Then he taught them saying, is it not written, my house, my house, the whole thing. Not just the bits you want. The whole thing, all right? He says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for the Jews first, then the Gentiles. Is not what it says. It says for all nations. Did you get that now? Do you understand now why he was so mad? He said it was for all nations. But you've made it just for you. But he's not going to say that. But, you know, he says, but you have made it a den of thieves. In other words, he's saying, listen... To defile one part of the house is defile the whole house. You guys think that just because you are doing your worship in your little, you know, privileged place, and you, you know, the Gentiles, we don't care. You can go sell and stuff. You think by doing that, you're saying to God, oh God, we love you. Listen, listen. We love you while you don't care about them. If somebody says, I love God, and then does something contrary, they're lying. Get it? Just in the temple, we see that. Amen? <laughs> right. And so he's saying, listen, if you do anything that's def that, that defiles God anywhere in my house, it defiles the whole house. Amen. All right? Okay. Uh, verse 18. And the scribes and priests... Uh, a chief priest heard it and sought how they might destroy him. Dear God, you know, I think the scribes and chief priests, what are these guys doing for all of their week? Obviously not praying. No, <laughs> I want to make a point here now. They're obviously doing biz temple business, not fellowshipping with God. Are you all getting this? Okay, so temple business required them not to fellowship with God because, you know, God would be getting all over their case. So they had to, you listen, you've got to, make, you've got to make decisions in your life. Either you go with God or you go with business. You know, when they talk about the business of the church, I always get a little nervous. I'm, I'm sorry, but I kind of do. I know there is a business of the church. I get it. I fill out forms and I you know, have to, stuff to do with the, the government. But <laughs> always God first. Always talk to God. Okay, let's move on. Okay. <laughs> and it says, And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him. Instead of repenting, this is what they're thinking. For, but it shouldn't say for. It should say but. But they feared him because all the people were astounded at his teaching. So they, they thought, if we lay hands on this guy, they're going to jump on us. So we're going to leave this one alone. You know, can, isn't it amazing that people have more sense than the religious leaders? Okay, I'm just going to say, say that and drop it. So, added to the Pharisees in the previous example, we now have the scribes and the chief priests, once again people who profess to love God, plotting to destroy him. These are the people that Jesus identified as children of the devil, who profess love uh, 
to love God and yet hated their brother. And why Jesus would say of them in John 8, 44, remember, he says, you are of your father the devil. Now we can begin to understand who's, who's, who he's talking about. See, when Jesus makes such a strong statement, it is not without substance. It's not without uh, a reason, okay? These are people that were looking to destroy him, to murder him. They had murder on their heart the whole time. Instead of repenting, see, let, let me just give you a, just a little quick, I'm, I'm hesitant because, you know, it just goes on to other things, but let me see if I can jump in and jump out, okay? Because I'm doing the life of Jesus as well. One of the things is that, you know, in this time, the house of Israel was divided. They had the Pharisees, they had the Sadducees, they, they, you know, they, they, they were all sort of against each other, they didn't believe all the same things. What was meant to end the scribes, obviously. They, by the way, ran around the Pharisees most of the time. Okay, but <laughs> they, you know why they call scribes? Because they said, write everything down. Scribe. Okay. Oh, anyway, okay. But, they, they, you know, there was this division that had come in that was tearing the nation apart. And what was meant to happen was when Jesus came, he was meant to bring them all together. They were all meant to realize that they were doing the wrong thing, that they were believing the wrong things, they were, you know, that they needed to forgive each other, they needed to come back in unity and in harmony and become one body once again. The body of Christ. Get it? Okay? So rather than have all this division, that was what was meant to happen. But because it didn't, and because they murdered their, their Savior, 70 years from that date, the Roman government is going to come in because the Roman government gets sick of all their infighting. They come in and they burn the temple down. And in one day, kill about a million Jews. In one day. And broke Israel's back and said, that's it. And everybody looks at stuff like that and goes, oh, God's people. Oh, poor God's people. They murdered their Messiah. That's why it happened. Are you all with me? We, we, you know, we really need to get a revelation of this. Do you know why? We mustn't do that. <laughs> okay? We need to receive him when he comes. And if he says you got sin, you say, yes, sir. Where? <laughs> you don't say, no, I don't have any. And start making excuses. You go, yep, mm, where? What, what did I do wrong? <laughs> okay? And he lets you know, and go, oh, I'm so sorry about that. And we're done. It's finished. We're moving on. You know, Jesus never dwells. We saw that with the woman that was taking adultery. He didn't stand and you know, preach at 20 minutes of, now, sister. <laughs> okay? He told everybody off and said, now, is there anybody else here? He goes, no. He goes, well, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not holding anything against you either. Don't sin anymore. But okay, this is, okay. <laughs> that was it, man. She knew. <laughs> Amen. All right, so. Mm, I, I will finish this. All right, uh, where was I? Nowhere where I should be. Okay, so yes, he said, <laughs> John 8, 44, he says, you have your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do, he was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth. We could keep reading, but I don't have time, okay? So I want you to notice, he doesn't stand in the truth. Do you know what that says? What he says and what he does are two different things. Get it? Okay. Uh, these are the kind of people that the apostle John refers to again when he says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he, who loves does, uh, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? In fact, Thomas F. Johnson points out, love is in the deed, first and foremost, and secondarily in its purpose. 
So when the elder looks at the opponent and sees them disregarding the well-being of his needy community and indeed aggressively attacking them, this is evidence enough for the absence of any agape love at all. If it is not there for the brother or sister, it is not there for God. The very nature of agape love demands that it includes one's brother or sister as well as God. In other words, let me explain it in two seconds. All right, in other words, if you've got that agape love, it's going to be there. If you say you've got it for God, then it's going to be there for everybody around you, is what he's saying. All right, moving on. In fact, the apostle James himself conveys a similar concept in James chapter 3 and verse 9, when he says, talking about the tongue, with it we bless our, our God and Father, and with it we curse men who, uh, who have been made in the similitude or likeness of God. And that's why he says these things ought not be so. Okay, he says you, go, you can't be doing stuff like that. And it is more than obvious from the tone that the Apostle James is in direct opposition to this kind of behavior. Finally, to conclude this chapter, hallelujah, the Apostle John goes in the same verse 21. There's not a lot in this, okay? He says, and this commandment we have literally heard from him. All right, it says from him, but it says, literal text says, heard from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. So he's going back over this. Notice that the Apostle John doesn't leave any room for negotiation here. <laughs> okay, all right. If you love God, you must love your brother and sisters in the Lord. I mean, there's no question about that, all right? Colin G. Cruz writes, here the author picks up a major theme from the Last Supper discourse. Okay, we took communion today, all right? In the fourth gospel where Jesus stresses that his disciples' love for him must express itself in obedience to his command, and that his command is that they should love one another. A new commandment, this is John 13, 34, I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. John 15, 12, my commandment is this, love each other as I have loved you. And John 15, 17, this is my commandment, Oh, my command, love each other. I mean, it goes on and on. But those are all the things that was in his quote, okay? In other words, the Apostle John is making the point that love for God and love for one's brothers are inseparable. Amen? Accordingly, Howard Marshall writes, it is easy to have a kind of love for God which does not recognize the obligation to love one another. Such love for God falls short of being real love for Him since it fails to obey his commandments. Jesus put it simply, or so simply, when he said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. It was just that simple. <laughs> okay? <laughs> All right. I would love to preach on some of this a little bit more, but I want to finish this today. All right? As to what one of these commandments are, again, we go back to what the Apostle John says, and that is, and this, this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Amen? There is no place for negotiation. If you love God, then you must love those around you as well. Amen? Now, that might be a journey. And it may take God and about 6,000 angels to, <laughs> to get you there. But at least begin it. Amen? And remember again that this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith, when we walk in this kind of love. Hallelujah. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, for, Father, for all the wisdom and the insight that we're receiving. 